0: Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode from Avondale Baptist Church. We are so happy to be sharing the Word of God with you and hope that this message is a blessing to you. And now, here's Brother Richard. Everything. I mean, we were just talking about those scriptures in our Sunday school class. I just love how God puts things together. It's just amazing. His amazing love. His love is what makes me happy all day, just like we sung out at the cross. Is that true for you? Are you truly living the life that God intended you to have? A blessed life, a peaceful life, a hopeful life. A faithful life, life of love, a life of gentleness. The the title of this sermon is, I had several different titles, titles, but we're going to go with either we stay bitter or we get better. Either we stay bitter or we get better. Better, and we're going to see this through the story of Ruth as we're going to finish up this series today. We're going to be looking at Ruth chapter 4. And what we're seeing is that Ruth is one of those happily ever after stories. You know, it begins, we begin with the book of Ruth when in sadness with famine and and just funerals of Naomi just her husband passed away and and her sons passed away and she's left there with her daughter-in-laws but what I love is what we're going to see is that this story this book about Ruth with it's only 4 chapters so if you've never read the book of Ruth please go back and read it it's only 4 chapters it won't take you long at all but we see the happy ending story. And it concludes with a wedding as Boaz and Ruth are united in marriage. We're going to see that on the basis of redemption. The book of Ruth, it takes us from a widow in Moab to a poor gleaner in Boaz's field to, glean, to a gleam in Boaz's eyes. And Ruth will be the family of Boaz, her redeeming relative. And then she also will become famous or be famous in Bethlehem. See, I want you to get that Boaz's willingness to be Ruth's redeemer is a picture of our own salvation. I want you to understand that. That God, we see God in Boaz. We see Jesus in Boaz. Because why? He is our Redeemer. Jesus is our Redeemer. And he's come to take us as his bride. While Boaz was interested in Ruth, he... Refused to bypass the laws and customs of how things are properly accomplished during those times in that culture. But just Boaz, just like Jesus, paid the price. And he would have the right to redeem his bride. What began a, in tragedy and fear ends with hope. And a promised redeemer for all of humanity. And I talked about distractions a little bit this morning. And and the enemy just wants us to become distracted with life. He wants to draw chaos into our lives, into the church, into our community. To keep us uh, focused on the wrong thing. Remember, that's what he did with Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve had that whole garden with all these trees and all these fruits. But God said, just this one you don't mess with. And what happened? The enemy came in and got them to focus on the one. And that is so true in our lives that when we are going through tragedy or we're going through, uh, going through some storms in life or through the valleys, Sometimes it's real easy for us to lose focus on what really matters. We live in that world where it's full of distractions. And these distractions that happens in our lives, we have to be careful. Because those are the enemy's number one ways to keep... Us being used the way God intended us to be used. Those are ways that God. Those are the ways that the enemy uses from keeping us to being the people that God calls us to be. When I started working on this sermon and, and just started reflecting throughout the week and, and I see I'm, I'm living a life full of distractions. Distractions. So much where I've neglected my kids, so much that I've neglected my wife, so much that I've neglected the church, So much that I've neglected the community, I've neglected my job. I was like, "Wow, I'm just neglecting everything." <laughs> I'm like, "Wow, Lord, how am I surviving?" He says, "It's not about your doing, it's me. I'm the cause of you surviving." He said, you just have to get back on track. And I love how he just used the the story of Ruth. And see, don't get me wrong. It's one thing to be distracted in that moment. Okay, Because there's things that's going to happen in our lives that we don't have any control of. There's things that are going to happen in our lives because of the decisions that we've made. And you're going to be distracted in that moment. But the thing is, is that we tend to get stuck in those distractions for months after months after months. The next thing you know, years after years after years. And then you're sitting there wondering what in the world happened. Have you ever been like that? Being like that, like life has just went by so fast. And you're like, what in the world have I done? I haven't done anything for the kingdom. I haven't done anything for the church. I haven't done anything for anybody else because I'm just in stuck in those distractions. And those distractions always are connected. When we allow those distractions to affect us, we tend to get bitter." And we don't want to be bitter, bitter people of God. We want to be better people of God. Where when we do sing songs like at the cross, that when I sing in that verse says, I am happy all the day long, that is not a lie. That is the truth. Because I'm better and not bitter. And what I love about this this whole story is that We see a picture of an oasis within Boaz. What's an oasis? It could be a a sense of, of peace, a place where it's peaceful. A place where we could take comfort in. And we see it throughout the scriptures. But what I like about this is that God uses people to be those places of oasis to a people that feel like they're in a hopeless situation. We can be an oasis to people out in this community for people who are bitter, for people who have been distracted. And knowing that they need to come back. They need to come back to the Lord. And this is what gets me is that we can be used as those oasis, just like we see it in Boaz, just as we see it in Ruth and Naomi. God uses people. So my question to you, church, are you being used? Are you being used? That is the question of the day. Before we get started, let's pray. Father God, we oh, we just thank you. We thank you because we don't deserve your love. We don't deserve the, your blessings. But Father God, you continue to show yourself to us. You continue to love us. Even when we do become bitter. Even when we do become distracted. And so, Father, I pray that you would use this sermon to pierce our hearts. And not that we become bitter people, but become better We become better because of what you have done, not because of what we have done. Father, be with us as we go into your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're coming to the last part of Ruth chapter 4, and we see that They went back home and we see that Ruth was a a Moabite woman and we see that she says, wherever you go, mother-in-law, I'm going with you. I'm dedicated to you. I'm dedicated to to your God is my God. Where you go, I go. Where you die, I die. And we started off with commitment, with dedication. And I asked you, how committed are you to the Lord? How dedicated are you to the Lord? I want us to be a church. I want us to be the people of God who are dedicated. No matter what is going on through our lives, we're going to continue to move forward. And they go back home and They don't have anything to eat or nothing in the cupboard, nothing in the fridge. Have you ever been like that? Groceries are low, don't know what you're going to eat. The 50 pounds of bags of beans is going down low, you don't know. The rice is going low, you don't know. And Ruth takes the initiative to take care of her mother-in-law and she says, I'm going to go out. And I'm going to go work the fields. And then we see how she got introduced to Boaz. And how Boaz showed her love. And how he was drawn to Ruth. I could imagine that she was a beautiful, beautiful lady. But I could also imagine how beautiful she was on the inside because he heard stories of how she was with her mother in law. And how she was working in the fields all day long. He saw her character. He saw how she loved the Lord. And that drew him to her. So youth, if you're looking for that boo, see if he has those personalities, those qualities of loving God. That he wants to do things right by God. And we see that at the end of chapter 4, verse 13, it says this. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. After he made everything right and after he knew that he wanted to redeem her, he knew that he wasn't next to kin. He wasn't the one that was next in line. And so, before he married her, he had to make it right. He had to do things right with the elders and with the guy, and he—the guy that was next in line. And we see that the guy passed on Ruth because he knew where she was from. She was a Moabite, and he was more worried about his things than to help and to be this this lady's redeemer. Does that sound kind of like us or like in the world where we're so focused on our things that we don't want to help anyone or we don't want to do anything with them because they may not look like us, they might not act like us, they may be from another part of the country, they may be part of some other part of the world. Let's build these walls and not let people in. Let's not minister to anybody. Let's just keep it to ourselves and let's just worry about our. And he says, oh, I can't do that. He says, oh, I can't, I can't marry her. There's too much on the line. You know what that would do to my family if I married her? You know what that would do with my sons? If we had kids with, oh, it would just be, it would mess everything up. And Boaz says, there, for, there I, I will take her. I will redeem her. And so the guy gives him his sandal, which I thought that was pretty cool. To complete a deal, to complete an agreement, the men will have to give them your sandal. And this was all witnessed by the elders of the. And they saw that he made it right. How can we make sure that we do not become selfish people? How do we make sure that we do not miss out on the blessings of God because we're so focused on the things that are that is ours? That is just so mind-blowing. Don't get me wrong. We have to have concerns and we have to take care of our things and stuff like that. But when it gets in the way of God's plan, when it gets in the way of doing God's work. Are we really being obedient? Are we being like Boaz or are we being like this man that was next in line? And so we see that he makes things right, and he goes on, and that's where we are in chapter 13, and we see that she became his wife. We're going to get a little PG-13 here. But it says, and when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Oh, it's such a beautiful picture here. Now, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the birds and the bees But this is exactly what they were got married. They were in union together. They were intimate together. And because the Lord blessed them, he even went beyond and beyond blessed them with a child. And she bore a son. See, one of God's goals is for us to be fruitful. Right, We see it in, even in the beginning of Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, uh, 27 through 28. God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply. This is true for the physical state. This is true that we need to multiply because that's what God commands us. To do. But this is also true in the spiritual. And this is what I want us to focus on is the spiritual Fruitness that God wants us to have. See, John 15, verse 8, it says, By this, Jesus is speaking, and he says, By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. We forget the big idea for our lives sometimes because of life, because of the things, and we become stagnant. We do not bear any fruits in our lives. God wants us to be fruitful. How? How can we be fruitful? See, when we enter that union with Jesus Christ and we take that step of faith and we receive him as our Lord and Savior, there's a union that is being made because of the blood of Christ, because of what he has done on the cross. And when we get mixed up with Christ, it's because of him that we become fruitful. Just like the union of Boaz and Ruth. When you have that union with Jesus Christ, you get intimate with him. And what is awesome is that it's not us that bears those fruits. It's the Holy Spirit that is given to us to bear those fruits. And that's why Jesus said, by this my father is glorified. And so he tells all of us here that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ We have to bear much fruit. We have to, church. We have to bear fruit. And when distractions happen, when we become bitter, we become fruitless people. Let's not become fruitless people, let's not become dried vines. John 15, Jesus says that I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I don't want us to be that branch. I don't want myself to become that branch where God just snips it. Ah, uh, You ain't doing anything for the church, Clip. No, Lord. I don't want to do that. I want to be connected I want to be a fruitful branch. And this is what he says. Jesus says in John 15, in, in uh, verse 2, he says, And every branch that bears fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Oh, man, to bear more fruit. What? Yes. We continue. It's a continuation. It's not that we just bear fruit one season and say, I am done. No, he allows us. If we allow him to prune us, to cut the things that are no good, to work in us. We can bear much more fruit. And he says in verse three, he goes on. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And this is one of my favorite verses. In John chapter 15, verse 4, he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If I abide in him and he abides in me. See, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that right there begins to bear fruits in our lives. And when we start seeing that and when you start... when you start seeing and realizing that God has a purpose in your life and that he wants you to be fruitful, whoo we! how can we stay bitter? How can we stay bitter and just miss out on God when we know that God has so much for us? And so we will come No, we will not. We are there. Because every single one of you are here by divine appointment. You are here because God has a message for you. God has a message for you. It's not by, by chance. It's not by luck that you are here. You're here because God woke you up this morning. God put Avondale Baptist in your mind. God put it in your heart to come and worship because he has this word for you. And so I'm going to tell you, you, me, us, we're in a point in our lives where the decisions that we make, we're either going to allow it to make us bitter or we're going to allow it to make us better as a church and as individual. But how? But Richard, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've been dealt with. You don't know what kind of hand I've been dealt. And if God really loves me, why am I going through this? Or why am I going through that? I mean, these are questions that I've even asked myself. And I was reminded. I don't know if you remember of uh, Joni Tada. She was a a 17-year-old who who was who dived in the in the shallow waters in in about 1967 or so, and she became paralyzed. And I showed a video a while back, and she takes that dive, and she became paralyzed, and it dramatically changed her life. She had the tendency to become bitter because of what. Has happened to her. But that's not what happened. What happened? Now she has a ministry that she ministers to people all over the world. And she goes out and she shares the gospel. She did not allow this traumatic incident where she can no longer walk since she was 17 years old. Make her bitter. But she made that wheelchair to make her better. And she's in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. But she did not allow that to slow her down because she knew she has experienced Christ. see, as we are united with Christ, just like she had an encounter with Christ and she was united with Christ and with the help of the Holy Spirit, she became fruitful. She became fruitful and we see how her ministry has just grown. And now the gospel is all around the world through her ministries. She was not distracted one bit. She didn't get stuck in that. Distraction of her life and allowed that distraction to make her become bitter. God calls you and me and us to bear good fruit. What's the fruit? I think I heard somebody ask that question. All right, pastor, what's the fruit? Fruit of the spirit. And you know what's crazy? It's only one fruit. So we only need to worry about bearing one fruit, and that's the fruit of the Spirit. And what is that? It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's not the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Richard. It's not the fruit of Avondale Baptist Church. It's not the fruit of the church. It's it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is in us. And when we allow him to work, and the way that we allow him to work is by totally surrendering our whole lives, right? Because you remember, we are owners of nothing but stewards of everything. Yes, yes. And we, we, when we realize that and we allow God to work in us, to work through us, whew, we will make an impact for the kingdom, for God's kingdom. And this is what I just love about the story of Ruth. They could have easily let their situations Easily, easily. And we saw how Naomi <laughs> became bitter. She was bitter. She says, but we see what happens. She doesn't stay there. Because verse 14 it says, Then the wo- the women the woman of said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be famous in Israel and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age man if you got that kind of word said to you that should pump you up you're like you're right let's do this right let's go you're right the Lord has favor on me now let's do this I am ready He says, For your daughter in law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed, and he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Aminadab, and Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David, and Jesus becomes from David's lineage. Isn't, we have no idea what God has for you, church. We have no idea what God has for us as a church. But if we stay obedient and we trust in him and only him, not Pastor Richard, not Brother Gary or Aubrey or Todd or Becky or anybody else, but if we put our fully trust on, in God and obey In his word, he is going to deliver us. He's going to redeem us. And it's generations after generations after generations. We are going to continue to be blessed. And when I was reading this the other morning, God just showed me a very ugly picture of me and Becky when we were younger in high school. I was the ugly one. Becky was the pretty one. And I just looked at it. I looked at that picture, and we were in high school, at the high school prom. And right next to that picture is our family photo when Christian got married. And I'm like, how did this, with these two young couples who didn't know anything about the world, All they thought was that they were in love with each other. Go from this to this beautiful family. It was because of God. And it was because that we did not give up. There's so many times in our lives that things don't go the way we think they should go. Or we hear things differently or things happen to our lives and we just automatically want to give up. And I tell you, church, don't give up. I'm not going to give up. Becky's not going to give up. Todd's not going to give up. We don't know the end of our story. How it's going to end. But God has given us glimpse. Story after story that each and every one of us can relate to. We have that faith, just like Ruth had faith in Naomi because the way she was, the way she acted, she introduced Ruth to her God. She was Ruth' oasis. She knew that Naomi was her safe place. Boaz. Was Ruth Redeemer? She saw and she sees that now that that was her safe place. The church, the church has to become a safe place to the community that that church is in. And then, more importantly, Jesus Christ, what he's done on the cross. Is everyone's safe place. Just to give you a little background of our little, I wouldn't say, well, our Ruth story of the Acuna family. I wasn't going to share this, but I feel like the Holy Spirit is wanting me to share. We are living testimonies. Of what God is doing. And every single one of you. Every single one of you that is part of this church. Is part of our testimony. Is part of our story. And also the same. We are part of your testimony. We are part of your story. As I was sitting there. Drinking my coffee. And just looking at the picture. And I was just thinking back. About man I. Looking at that picture in our prom, first thing I was like, I used to be real skinny. Man, I used to be real skinny. But as I was seeing and reflecting on our family photo, I started thinking back of all the things that we've gone through. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And I just started thinking about the pain that we endured, the pain and the suffering that was caused by our choices, by friends, by family, by the church, and I started getting hurt by it, I was like, man, that really sucks, what some of my family had to endure, and I started getting down, and then God was like, but Look at where you are now. Look at where your family is. See, there was a a moment in our lives that we were in a pivotal moment in in our lives where that circumstance is either going to make us bitter or it's going to make us better. And that point in our lives was when our boys were sexually molested by our music minister in the church that we were a part of. And it was so much pain, so much suffering. We couldn't we didn't know exactly what was happening. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what this God we serve that allowed this to happen. We just couldn't wrap our head around it. But God uses people as our oasis. And during that time, Becky was my oasis. Man, she kept her head straight, even though I know she was in a lot of pain because those were her babies. And I know that she was angry and stuff, but she constantly had me continue to focus on God. And she constantly reminded me that God loves that person just as much as he loves me. He loves that person who did those things to my boys, that he loves him just as much as he loves my sons, and it's so hard to wrap my head around it. And we wanted to leave. We wanted to leave the church. I stepped down from the deacon body, we stepped down from, from helping with Sunday school class, helping with youth, because we're leaving. We even went and visited some churches. But we felt so strong that the Lord wanted us there at Trinity. It was a foreign land for us. But we knew that God had a better plan. We knew that the God that I serve and the God that Becky serves is that (laughs) we serve a God of redemption of restoration. And now we see now, coming to this point in our lives where I see my son, Roman, he is a youth minister and a children's minister at a church that is growing. And my other son is also an ordained minister and he's a minister for a, a teen challenge in San Antonio. And I see that they have beautiful wives who love God. And you think what happened to them in the past, that that's who they identify with? No, they identify with what's on the cross, and that is Jesus Christ. Man, we tell you what, we just continue to glean the fields, and we're going to continue to work all day, every day, because we're going to see God. We're going to see God at work. Do you understand? Let's not become bitter, but let's become better. As Gary comes up and he begins to play, you may be here this morning and you may be bitter towards God because maybe you're hurt. And God understands that, church. God knows, He knows everything about us. He knows it. But what's so great about God is that he loves everything about us and he doesn't want us to stay bitter towards him because it's dangerous it's dangerous Jesus says, come to me all those who are weary see Jesus is our oasis he's my oasis And I want you to have this opportunity to come back. Maybe you have been bitter towards God. And I pray that if 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 that is you, that you would make today the day that you would just let go of that bitterness. And just allow God to work. Maybe you don't even have a Redeemer yet. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. But you feel the Holy Spirit. It's it's called prevenient grace. It's grace that goes before us, before we actually even know God. That's how great God is. That He loves us. And he's chasing us. He's wooing us into a relationship with him. And if that is you, do not wait. Do not wait till tomorrow. Don't wait. I'm going to wait tonight or tomorrow. I'll wait till next month. Oh, I got to get some things settled in my life before I make that commitment. You know, I talked to a a guy one day on the streets. and He says, man, he says, I just can't do church right now. But when I go to church, when I do become a Christian and when I do receive Christ, I'm going to be committed. But right now, I'm not going to be committed. See, I want us. To not be that way. Go to God when it's a convenience and He wants us to be committed. Will you commit your life to Him today if that's if that's you, come as we play. Thank you, Father God, for this wonderful message. We pray that it has been a comfort and a blessing to our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to join us here at Avondale Baptist Church. Until we see you again, always remember Jesus loves you.